0: Why are you dressed like a showgirl?
1: Could you get more Freudian with this, please?
0: (laughs) Who are you? Are you drunk already?
1: That did not go well at all.
0: Welcome to Up Yours Downstairs, the podcast that shines like the stars. I'm Kelly Anakin. And I'm
1: Tom Schneider.
0: We are properly married. I
1: think what you need right now is me.
0: That is correct, because you are the person I do this podcast with.
1: That's true, and I've got the soundboard and everything.
0: Yeah, and you usually write the rent check, so it's like, you know, yeah, you're right. Yeah.
1: Well, Uh, that worked out well.
0: Yeah, so great. Uh, Everybody's on the same page. Welcome back, cousins. (laughs) Yes. It is time for us to recap the penultimate episode Mm -hmm. of Mr. Selfridge Series 2 uh we're very excited we are this is a great episode yeah yeah, i hope you're all looking forward to reliving it with us (laughs) because that's what we're gonna do
1: yeah and also why else did you download this podcast yeah you weirdo that's really the whole purpose here we do have a new country to report it is the country of bhutan wow which i was i never expected to get a download from there because they're very like uh i mean they only let the internet and television into the kingdom a few years ago. Uh, but somebody from somebody from Bhutan downloaded the show, and or possibly vacationing in Bhutan. Well, that's also possible. But whoever it was, I would say Kuzu Zongpo. and I have no idea if that's the correct pronunciation.
0: Uh You made the effort. Yeah, that seems good of you. I <laughs> thank you. Also, good is our cousin of the week. Ooh! This week's cousin of the week actually came from Twitter, aka carrier pigeons. Oh! Uh, it's cousin Omar, who writes. Blink and Sop versus Plunkett. Let's get ready to mildly rumble. <laughs> the war on the top floor. The thriller in vanilla. It's on. <laughs> that makes me laugh so hard. I laughed and laughed, and yes. then I laughed some more just now when I pulled that up so that he <laughs> could say it on this podcast. Right. Uh, cousin Omar is a frequent uh, sender of carrier pigeons, and that is my favorite thing. That he has ever tweeted. Yes. Uh, so congratulations, cousin. Did it in a, under 140 characters. That's right. Pretty impressive.
1: So yeah, uh, I guess if you're listening to this podcast on a Friday, uh, perhaps follow him.
0: Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, also, just want to say to all the cousins, thank you so much for all of the messages and the comments and the tweets. And the telegrams mm-hmm. about the return of Blankensop. Uh, yes. We felt so loved. Uh, yeah. And we're just so happy that we could share in our joy with so very many of you. Yeah. It's uh, it's really fantastic that Blankensop is back. Very, much more of a looker than I uh, remembered her being. Yeah. You it's, know? Uh,
1: it's, it's strange the way, you know, the, the mind works.
0: I, I know. Guess. I had inv- I was like remembering her being very like Haggard. Right, very right. very much more like plunkett
1: well she's been away from harry for a while she's relaxed
0: that's true she's she's had a chance to let her hair down and put it back up
1: <laughs> right and uh, well let's see what happens when she has to deal with these crazy kids right but we get ahead of ourselves
0: uh, yeah and you know because of the fact that we're a week behind i forgot that this is the episode where Blankenslop comes back so <laughs> right. we kind of just scooped ourselves but come <laughs> on you guys so excited yeah oh my gosh so let's uh, let's get to it. All right. Shall we?
1: Yeah. Uh, so we open with Martle lying sleeping in Florian's arms. No.
0: <laughs>
1: yes. She wakes up and tells Florian uh, he's got to go because it is morning and people are going to find out about their scandalous relationship. Oh yes. So he gets up. And then he comes back and kisses her and then heads out again and Marta lies there uh, quite happy.
0: I just do want to point out – I don't know if we've done this already – but exactly what everybody said would happen for her letting a man stay in her (laughs) house has happened. Like, I don't – there's nothing wrong with it. Right. I think it's great. I mean, she's not going to get pregnant. Right. He looks clean. (laughs) Like, I think it's fine. Right. But – at the same time, that is exactly. specifically the thing that Edwardian <laughs> convention existed to thwart <laughs> has happened. Well. So, Mister Grove won. New women zero. I mean, that's not
1: true. That's not true. And I mean, the you know, people have been failing to thwart other people having sex for you know millennia. And that's it's, true. They've Never been any good at it.
0: Yeah, ever since they figured out you could not have sex, <laughs> right. And that maybe that was smart (laughs) in some circumstances. (laughs) Breakfast over at Selfridge House, much less scandalous. (laughs) Actually... It's more of a scandal of a different color. No. Uh, nobody has printed Harry's letter yet. He is losing female customers in droves. He's asked Delphine to help him discuss strategy at the store. He invites Rose, who says that she has an appointment very distractedly, right? Uh, causing me to say, bam, cancer, immediately. No. Because that's the only time on TV anybody ever has cancer is when somebody's like, oh, hey, here's this thing with this lady that's trying to bang me. You want to come? <laughs> she's like oh no i have an appointment <laughs> either that or they're pregnant but i didn't think right pregnancy seemed right here yeah anyway rose's advice is to keep things simple people need things they can depend on like you not sleeping with delphine that would really <laughs> help me out right now harry
1: right it would help everyone out quite frankly
0: yeah uh, speaking of people's relationships being torn asunder, uh Town Talk, which we failed to correctly identify in the last podcast Correct. being the gossip column, Town Talk reports now that May has left Loxley. It is out. Wow. It is ready for people to know. Boy. Yeah. British
1: journalists are a canny bunch.
0: Well, you should see the um you should see the section that's ripped from the intelligence papers. <laughs> Communiques. I feel like if I had five minutes not recording this live, I could come up with a really good name for that.
1: Well, uh, regrets, I've had a few. (laughs) 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 We see Agnes standing at the front gate of Martel House, and the postman bikes up and gives her the letters, and she hurriedly looks through them, but is disappointed. Uh, So she goes in and tells Martel that they're all for her, as usual. Well,
0: it is Miss Martel's house. (laughs) I know. I mean, I realize she's waiting for a very important telegram to tell her whether or not that picture of George is now haunted.
1: (laughs) Right. I think we can all agree it's haunted.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It's like one of those Harry Potter pictures, only it's like completely immobilized, like the dad on (laughs) Strangers with Candy. Well,
1: it only moves when nobody is looking.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And all it ever says is a cat can look at a king.
1: They say you can still hear it, <laughs> but you can't quite understand what he's saying.
0: <laughs> no, that's the picture of the artful porter. <laughs> You're right. <laughs>
1: anyway, Martle awkwardly attempts to reassure Agnes by, you know, saying the same platitude she's been saying for the last couple weeks, because what else can you do in that situation? Uh, Florian comes down carrying a faucet. And he says, well, it's still dripping, but now I know why. And I'm like, could you get more Freudian with this, please?
0: Yes, he could, if he <laughs> called her mom.
1: <laughs> that is true. Martle says that it's nice to have a gentleman around the house, then abruptly walks out of the room.
0: This is so ridiculous to me, because I feel like agnesi like, whoa, you know, when I was, uh, when Mr. LeClaire and I were, <laughs> uh, uh, No, it's fine. It's it's, 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 it's
1: fine. It's fine. You you know, the walls are very thin in this house.
0: (laughs) I don't believe that, actually. No, I don't believe that. That looks like a thick walled house. (laughs) Yeah. That looks like a house you could really go to town in. And nobody would know. (laughs) (laughs) Cousins, have you ever gone to town in a house (laughs) with thick walls?
1: Have you ever gone to town in a town
0: house? If so, we want to hear your story. Uh, back at Selfridge House, in the wake of the revelation that May, having left Loxley, is now public information, Mm -hmm. Rose is now trying to talk Harry into seeing her, saying that what she did seemed out of character, and Harry reluctantly agrees. Again, I realize they were upset before. Right. But the fact that it took it being in the newspaper for them to be like, oh, maybe we overreacted a little bit, Mm -hmm. and maybe there were like things going on, and maybe we should like investigate this further. Right. Bad form Selfridges. Agreed. You guys are fired. (laughs) JK. Yeah, they can't be. It's called Mr. Selfridge. (laughs) No, it's just Selfridge without Selfridge. (laughs) We've made that joke before, surely. I think you're right.
1: But but who would nail it?
0: Mm, uh, Blankensop's back.
1: (laughs) Well, that's true.
0: She's, you know, executive assistant in charge of nailing it. (laughs)
1: A Martle and Florian are walking towards Selfridges. A Martle telling Florian that he is wasting his talents in a factory, but if it's for the war effort, he's happy to help. Martle then, in an effort to make their age difference less awkward, gives him lunch money. <laughs> he doesn't want to take it, but she kind of forces it on him.
0: Also, Miss Martle, if you're gonna give the guy that you're banging money, do it in the privacy of your own home, also where you do your banging right. Giving people money is as private an act as sexual intercourse, in my opinion.
1: It's pretty private. You're right.
0: I mean, unless it's like a charitable situation. Right. Like where you don't know the person and they're just like, hey, you know, give me a quarter. And you're like, okay, that's fine. (laughs) Nobody's going to be like, hmm. (laughs) There's a story there. If there is cousins for a change, we don't want to hear it. (laughs) That's
1: true. Uh, Anyway, Florian... Kisses her on the cheek, (gasps) which she is like, hey, no, not in public. But then she's smiling until she turns around and sees the ginger glare of Mr. Grove.
0: I hate this guy.
1: Yeah. Who, let's recall, our very first introduction to him was him doing something inappropriately romantic and being seen by another Selfridge's employee. Mm -hmm. Who he then informed that these things should be kept private. Who
0: may or may not have had any idea what was going on. Right. We never did get clarity on that. <laughs>
1: yeah, that's true. Uh, so, yeah. I'm sure that's going to make him real sympathetic in this situation.
0: Kitty and Conehead are walking out of the back room, and Kitty is reading a letter which she says she refuses to give to Mr. Grove. Conehead says she doesn't want to resign, but her dad's making her, because Harry's a friend of the Kaiser. Uh, this girl's dad is the edwardian equivalent of the fox news devotee yeah to a t kitty says stuff and nonsense you don't want to believe everything you read uh because she seems like more of a you know at least cnn (laughs) yeah i'm not gonna go as far as msnbc for her but well definitely you know a little bit more uh even keel right Conehead wants to know what she should do and Kitty says to tell her father that she has to work a week's notice and Kitty will figure something out in the meantime. That's right. Kitty Hawkins on the case.
1: (laughs) Harry, Crab, LeClaire, and Delphine are meeting in Harry's office. Uh, They've lost yet more influential woman shoppers and Delphine says that they need to make it the talk of the town again and make it an escape like her place. Harry's like, so do you have an actual plan? Yeah, because, yeah. Uh, but she says that her plan is to bring the spirit of Delphines to Selfridges.
0: Was the spirit of blank like a marketing buzzword back then? <laughs> you know? Like, I just... They keep saying... I'm like, they already did that with the last one. Right. You know, remember Ellen Love? And everybody's like...
1: Yeah. Mm. Let's... We, yeah. That, that did not go well. No.
0: At all. It went very badly.
1: Yeah. And isn't the spirit of Delphines that... Wink, wink, you can get prostitutes there. Like,
0: Right? Like, that... I don't understand why its horrible reputation has suddenly been just, like, jettisoned oh. by right. everyone. And, like, I know there's a war on, and right. prostitution has suddenly, you know, skyrocketed in the polls.
1: Have you noticed that the entrance is in an alley?
0: Yeah, like, like... yeah. Yeah, so we're going to move Selfridges <laughs> to a seedy alley. <laughs> right.
1: <laughs> you can only order gin. <laughs>
0: That, well, actually, I hate gin. I was right. gonna say it's a great idea. You can only order alcohol, that's fine. Right. But gin, who?
1: Well, I'm sure it's, I'm sure there's a hipster only order gin bar either in the Bay Area or in Brooklyn.
0: Yeah, that's true. Or both. Yeah. I'm surprised hipsters haven't started franchising yet. Even though it's completely anti hipster. Right. Uh, you know, give it 10 years. Alright, great. They'll, yeah, they'll do it. See you in 10 years,
1: everyone. <laughs> Uh, yeah, but no, basically her plan is to just decorate the palm court the way Delphine's is decorated. And- like
0: boobs? <laughs> right. Wait, hang on. You're trying to attract female customers, mm-hmm. which is not the customers that Delphine's attract. <laughs> right. So you're asking Delphine about this when you have Monsieur Leclerc, who could just strip naked and stand <laughs> right. in women's fashion and wait for them to come.
1: I could just walk past a bunch of woman- women and then walk to the store and then, bam, with yeah. the customers. Yeah,
0: done. <laughs> End of story.
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah, so Crab agrees with us that this is a rather dumb idea. Yeah. Harry, sadly, agrees with Delphine, so that's happening. Uh,
0: <laughs> You're so mad. Yeah.
1: Uh, Leclerc's idea is to contact Winifred Black who is a syndicated journalist. She works for Hearst and uh, whose articles are published everywhere.
0: Because she works for Hearst. Well, right.
1: Harry says that she's a one-off, meaning that she, you know she's not somebody that they could like control. Right. Or uh, count
0: on for continued Right. Exactly. Courage. And
1: Delphine agrees that they'd have a tiger by the tail. But Henri says that when she speaks, women listen. And Harry says that, you know what, they're going to have to take the risk. And he has faith in his store. Uh, meeting adjourned.
0: I think this is a great idea. Yeah. I love publicity and publicity storylines.
1: Yeah. I looked a little bit at Winifred Black. She was real. She was one of the sob sisters of journalism.
0: Oh, her. like Mary Sunshine in uh, the musical Chicago.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And the one stunt that it mentioned that she did was that uh, she passed out or pretended to pass out in the middle of a San Francisco street to see how long it would take the emergency services to like do anything about it. Wow. And the answer was quite a while.
0: <laughs> yeah. She should try that now. <laughs> Do it in Oakland if you want to get really depressed. <laughs> Kitty's sitting in the back room, uh, the Kitty Cave. Huh? We, we've never seen anybody back there. Because I remember in the first series, I was like, where do they put their coats? Right. What's going on? <laughs> uh, but now we're back there all the time. And she sees the news of Lady May leaving Loxley.
1: Right. And I, I zoomed in on it, or I, I, mean, I paused it to check out the other articles. Did you say,
0: VCR, <laughs> zoom in on Kitty's newspaper?
1: I wish I could have. <laughs> uh, but no, I paused it just to see what the other two articles were. One was just that somebody got engaged, Lord Butte. But the other article, which was sadly cut off, reads, Viscount Mitford's scandal, outrageous behavior. Viscount Mitford, known almost exclusively for his outrageous fashion, has finally broken the last taboo. He was spotted in the strand being asked and and that's it.
0: Like for a blowy? <laughs> right. Like what's going on or is this does this mean like for his outrageous fashion <laughs> Right. Like, like <laughs> being asked why he was wearing like a feathered headdress? <laughs> right. Like why are you dressed like a showgirl? Sir, that cravat is unacceptable. <laughs> sorry oh Belor. man wow
1: <laughs> yeah uh anyway kitty uninterested in viscount midford presumably uh picks up the phone
0: and cut to mustache sitting in a tea shop i think the tea shop i think so the tea shop where everything goes down oh, right uh you know it's the central perk of selfishness <laughs> the max from saved by the bell if you will the peach pit from 90210 <laughs> uh the chubby burger from boy Meets World. I could go on. <laughs> Kitty walks in and mustache Cafe greets Nervosa. her. Ah, good point, yeah. good point. Ah, Fraser. <laughs> Fraser really is the Mr. Selfridge of 90s sitcoms. <laughs> That's true. Mustache greets her and he says he was surprised to get her call, and then Kitty tells him about the Loxley divorce and asks why Lady May would leave Loxley. And mustache. <laughs> <laughs> This is one of my favorite line I, readings, yeah. so kudos to this man whose name we don't know right. that plays Frank Edwards yes. and says, we've all met the man. Oh, right. Have you seen that eyeliner? <laughs> it's says outrageous as Viscount Mitford. <laughs> At any rate, Kitty wonders why now and says maybe she's telling the world that Loxley's to blame for the boot scandal. Bootgate. <laughs> Mustache says it might be a coincidence, but Kitty begins telling him all the problems his article has caused her before being interrupted by the waitress, who is interrupted just to say, uh, also this was really obvious from the get-go, you ginger freak. <laughs> Kitty says it's a matter of integrity for him to prove that it's not Mr. Selfridge's fault, and he says it's not that simple, but she tells him in no uncertain terms that he owes it to Mr. Selfridge to put this right. Uh... We agree. Yeah, also, that's Also, like, be a journalist. Why right. are you being a pussy? Well,
1: at his office, he tells Gringot that if Loxley is manipulating them, then they have to investigate don't it. Don't
0: they have to investigate even if he's not manipulating them?
1: Uh, they don't have to do anything, hmm. you know? They're a newspaper. They can do whatever they Does want. Does this
0: make Kitty Deep Throat... <laughs> <laughs>
1: Sort of. Well, actually, of? really, May is deep throat.
0: Ah, uh, you're well, yeah. that's appropriate.
1: <laughs> Tart from the stage. <laughs> <laughs> but Gringot says that attacking Harry Selfridge is one thing, but attacking the government is crazy, and he's not going to do it. Mustache says that he thought Gringot would say that, and so he pulls out a pre written letter of resignation.
0: And uh, he does not have to work a week's notice, and he gets the hell out of there. <laughs> yes. Back at the office, uh, Harry is leaving his office. Plunkett runs after him to say that Mustache called. Harry says that he has nothing to say to Mustache and to tell him not to call again. Because, boy, he's already considering talking to Lady May again, but he's right. not going to talk to Frank Edwards. <laughs> Nailing it. <laughs> Nailing the silent treatment. <laughs>
1: Uh, in the Palm Court, Delphine is describing her decor plans to some minions of hers. Fat Thomas and Agnes are standing around watching it and discussing it. Fat Thomas asks if it was Agnes' I- Agnes's idea, and she says, hell no. <laughs> <laughs> Fat Thomas says he hopes they don't want Igor to do a belly dance, uh, and we all agree. Yeah
0: why would you you know what though he wouldn't do it anyway because he'd be like oh in the palm court yeah i don't really work in the palm (laughs) court i just kind of hang around it right and sometimes like i wipe a glass but like i don't do anything helpful yeah
1: like i know i wear the uniform but that's it's just surprisingly comfortable yeah i
0: just like it
1: (laughs) a fat thomas asks after george and agnes says that there's no news yet and uh she heads off because she's got to work on a window
0: Ah, she is bearing up so well under the circumstances. She is. I love her so much. Yeah. She is so great. Yeah. She's basically my hero.
1: Yeah. And one thing I'm sorry about this season, it's, you know, and it's a change from last season, it's probably for the best, but there's so much fewer, like, displays.
0: Yeah. and, And having to figure out the display.
1: Right, right.
0: In a doctor's office, surprising no one, the doctor asks Rose how long she's had these symptoms. She says three to four months, including difficulty in breathing. She says she's had so little energy and was hoping that a tonic would help. The doctor says perhaps, but he'll examine her first, which is generally a good idea before giving anyone tonic. Right? Even as a bartender, just give him a look-see up and down. <laughs> like, who are you? Are you drunk already? <laughs> Can I put gin in your tonic? <laughs> no. Pretty gin heavy episode. Yeah, as it turns this out. This episode sponsored by the gin council.
1: <laughs> Martle enters Grove's office and he asks her to sit, and then pointedly takes a second to finish writing some note that he was working on, before looking up at her and saying that what he witnessed was unbecoming and embarrassing, and that this affair has gone too far. He said that he had tried to warn her, but she's ignored him and is now being humiliated. And he hopes she realizes that financial gain is the most likely motive for this boy's infatuation.
0: Isn't she hella rich now? Who gives a shit? Isn't the whole point of being rich that cool, awesome, hot young people want to bang you? Yeah. Like, exhibit A, Donald Sterling. Right. Like, he's repugnant. At (laughs) least Miss Martle has a charming personality. Yeah. And apparently, you know, is pretty uh, tolerant of people's differences. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Well, Martle says that that is insulting. Correctly. Uh, But Grove says that with his own eyes, he saw her giving him money. He says that she is being taken for a fool, an old fool. Martle says that if he is quite finished, then she will reply. She then very calmly says that her life is her own, and how she chooses to live it is her business, and in future, he should keep his opinions and his insults to himself.
0: We very much high five right there. Yeah. This is great. Team Martle. Yeah. The spirit of Revelius lives on. <laughs>
1: she gets up and walks out but then in the hall and into the elevator she is uh unsuccessfully holding back tears well
0: it was just because she was the only person in the elevator and it had to run on something (laughs) right and the only way to really phase those elevator girls is to be sobbing
1: yeah although i imagine elevator girl as a profession you get some sobbing quietly in the corner of the elevator and you'll learn how to pretend you're not there that's true
0: In the Palm Court, Harry greets Winifred Black, who says that the pleasure is all his. (laughs) Oh, listen, this lady's phenomenal. Yeah, She tells Henri that it's been too long, so they definitely (laughs) bang, is what I think. Winifred says she thinks that Harry wants something from her. Harry asks if he's that transparent. She says, men usually are. It's a constant disappointment, which is a great line. And also, I have to think that he's less transparent than he's more transparent than most men yeah she observes that Fleet Street has been giving him a rough ride which is not a euphemism for gay sex as (laughs) you might think Harry says that they're damn lies and Monsieur Leclerc says they need some good publicity Winifred says she doesn't do puff pieces. And Harry says that that's fine. They both have integrity and his store will speak for itself. Henri will squire her around and give her access to anyone and anything she needs. She says that she has carte blanche and finds a story that inspires her. Maybe she'll write it. Harry agrees and Winifred says she hopes he doesn't regret it. Basically, she's everything I want to be when I grow up. (laughs) Ah,
1: Yeah. And I don't recall ever noticing her accent.
0: No, no. Yeah. Pretty pretty solid American accent on this one. Yeah. They're getting better.
1: <laughs> May and Mustache are walking in a park and Mustache tells her that she was brave to leave Loxley. May says that she couldn't live with him anymore and is glad that Mustache is called. They then turn a corner and become overpoweringly backlit. Like I don't know who the cinematographer was on this on this scene, but they did not think it through.
0: Bad move.
1: Yeah. But Mustache says that Harry has stopped returning his calls, and the committee would just close ranks if he tried to investigate them. So May says that he needs to find their weakest link, and she says that Lord Edgerton went to school with Loxley and had peccadilloes that he has never grown out of.
0: Oh my! Yes.
1: Uh, And that Loxley blackmailed him over it, and it had been planned from the start. Uh, So Harry's taking the rap, and they must tell people for him...
0: Which is pretty inspiring.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh,
0: yeah, it's pretty uh, It's pretty cool. Yeah. Monsieur Leclerc shows Winifred into the fashion department and introduces her to Keebler, who it turns out is one of her greatest admirers and brags all about fashion, offering to show her around. But Winifred wants to find her own way. Thackeray points out that his name is spelled with an A-Y, not an E-Y. Right. Uh, as they head off, Winifred tells Leclerc... That Keebler would sell his own grandmother for a quarter and a smile. He says, so you know him already? And she says, am I wrong? (laughs) Oh, she's so sassy. She
1: is quite sassy.
0: And apparently has the, uh, you know, readership to back it up. Yeah. (sighs) Dare to dream. (laughs) Tell your friends to listen to Up Yours Downstairs (laughs) so that we can be blazingly confident all the time. Especially if one of
1: them is a powerful publishing magnate. Yes, indeed. That would be great.
0: Yeah, ideally.
1: You know, like Edward Boing Boing or something.
0: (laughs) Is that a person?
1: (laughs) Um, So Rose heads to the elevator, but who should get off that elevator but Delphine. Uh, Rose says that she's just there to see Harry, but Delphine says that she just saw him leave. Rose is like, oh, okay, I'll see him at home. But Delphine says not to go. She feels like they haven't talked in forever.
0: Uh, yeah, you haven't because you've been trying to steal my husband. That's <laughs> right. Winifred is walking with Henri saying her ladies want a story that they can identify with. That's inspirational. Henri says that she should meet Agnes Towler. They pass Keebler, who's casually sampling some scent.
1: Yeah, well, like, you know, casually. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's what it is. In the Tea Emporium, Delphine says that Rose has been avoiding her, and Rose says that she's just been tired. Delphine says that she looks pale and asks if she's well, and Rose says that she was diagnosed with a little congestion on her chest.
0: Okay, so possibly not cancer, but possibly consumption, which totally killed a lot of people. Right.
1: Uh, delphine asks if harry knows and rose says not yet uh, and she says she didn't want to burden him and delphine agrees with her because she is a very bad friend
0: yes i don't even know if we can call her friend at this point <laughs> well right she's a very good enemy <laughs> she's not even that
1: good yeah as events prove anyway she says that rose needs some time in the country
0: Back at the Hotel for Disobedient Wives, Harry's talking with May, who confirms that she did leave Loxley. He says that rats desert sinking ships, continuing to be inexplicably mean to her. Right.
1: Also, Loxley is not a sinking ship. That's your whole problem. Yeah.
0: May says she shouldn't have vouched for Loxley, or she should have said something sooner about his character. But Harry says that she chose to do otherwise. But she says that choice had nothing to do with it. When she married Loxley, she thought she'd control him, but she was naive. Harry asks why she vouched for him, and she says that Loxley is a violent man, Uh, which I had forgotten about in the wake of the marital rape, Right, the time that he fucking clocked her. Yeah. At any rate, uh, Harry asks why she didn't say so. She says because she's ashamed. Somebody get this woman an Emmy. She's doing such a good job. She's doing really well. She's actually nailing it.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: She says that they need to stop Loxley, and then Harry says it's not safe for her there and invites her to stay with him. So this is something important to remember about your extremely wealthy shopkeeper friends, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> they'll write you off immediately for no good reason, then immediately bring you back into the fold. Right. So bear that in mind.
1: Like, and beyond the fold. Yeah. Like, this is...
0: Like, into their home.
1: Yeah. Wow. Wow. Uh, in the lair, Winifred is delighted by some of the drawings she sees on Agnes's desk, uh, and asks how long she's been there, and Agnes fills her in on the whole Towler or origin story. Uh, Winifred is quite impressed, and uh, Henri is standing by the window observing, like very kind of theatrically standing by oh, the window. Oh, he's
0: very pleased with himself, <laughs> but I just wish that poking can. Anytime he's near a window. <laughs> I'm back, monsieur! I bet you thought I'd never find you! <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> wherever you go I'll be there
0: <laughs> <gasps> oh god oh that stick poking kid get that kid a guest star got Downton Abbey I want that stick poking kid and everything oh man all right I'm gonna try to pull it back together <laughs>
1: So, when Winifred credits Henri with being her mentor or whatever, uh, he says that while Harry helped, and he's the one that sent her to Paris, Winifred expects that that opened her eyes, and Agnes admits that the Moulin Rouge was quite shocking. Like, why do people keep thinking Nicole Kidman can act? What movie has she ever been good at?
0: Um,
1: right? Cricket I like your Moulin
0: Rouge, but I mean, like, listen, you can put... I mean, Look, I, I... I don't want to say I defend it, but I'm still kind of like, everyone says I love you, which is a Woody Allen movie, oh, right, which I've pretty right. much sworn off in the wake of various things. Right. But, uh, man, it's a musical. And everybody in it is terrible. Yeah. Everybody's so bad. Nobody can sing. Nobody can <laughs> dance. Nobody can even really act. Like, Drew Barrymore's <laughs> in it. Natalie Portman's in it. You're like, what? <laughs> but, man, when they start singing and dancing badly... I will forgive them anything. Well,
1: okay. Uh, But Agnes says she wouldn't have missed that experience for the world. And Henri says that she always had a natural talent. Winifred says that they make quite a team. Henri smirks, and Agnes changes the subject.
0: Now, look, Henri, I am shipping you an Agnes. I'm doing that, but don't be a dick. Again, stick-poking kid. (laughs) Take him down a peg.
1: That's right. She asks Winifred what she's writing about and Winifred says says that she doesn't know but she finds if she pokes around long enough a story usually appears. Uh, She notices Agnes's ring and Agnes is like, yeah, I'm married, engaged to this guy. Winifred says that, oh, Harriet Selfridge is a matchmaker and that her parents must be proud. Agnes says, uh, it's just her and George. It's always been just her and George.
0: (laughs) I just can't. I wish that Reg Taller would burst in Kool-Aid Man style. What about you old man, eh? Aggie! <laughs> <laughs> he does not do that. Oh my god, what if it was a show about Reg Taller and that stick poking kid?
1: <laughs> Getting into hijinks.
0: <gasps> oh my god. Oh, Okay.
1: There's a bottle of gin just inside that window, but I can't reach it.
0: (laughs) I can help you, sir. (laughs) Me and my trusty stick. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, stick-poking boy. Kid? Stick-poking kid? Yeah. I'm sorry for mixing it up. I was laughing too hard. (laughs) That's all right. Uh, so, Winifred
1: asks if George is fighting, and Agnes says, well, or dead.
0: Well, she says he's missing an action. <laughs> I know. Because this prompts the next scene. Well, that's true. You're really, uh, you really fucked me over on this, Schneider. I'm sorry. <sighs> well, anyway. Monsieur Leclerc has witnessed Agnes saying that George is missing in action. And so he goes to the palm court and pulls Fat Thomas aside and says he's concerned that Agnes is convincing herself that George is alive. Fat Thomas says that maybe it's her way of dealing with it, uh which I generally agree with. Also, really not cool to go to the fiancé of the person you're in love with and start like – Badgering them about the way that she's dealing with things. Right. Because, like, you know, she's a person. Yeah. You could just talk to her. Right. Anyway, Henri says Fat Thomas knows her best and turns to leave, but it's Spitting Mad Weasel time. It sure is. Fat Thomas grabs Henri's arm and says, If he has something to say, say it. Henri says he doesn't want to fight, but then Fat Thomas gets in his face and says he's been with Agnes through this and is offering her more than Henri ever has. He lets Henri go and he leaves, and Igor is like, what the fuck? That looked kind of like work. (laughs) You were having a discussion with a colleague, and I thought the palm court stood for something. Uh, Anyway, this is an interesting development. I'm hoping that this will devolve into fisticuffs.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think... I, to me, I think Fat Thomas has the clear edge there. I mean, I know he's shorter.
0: No, he does seem like a scrapper. Yeah. I don't know. Look, Monsieur Leclerc is playing a dangerous fucking game here. Yeah. Like, he's going to get... Well, look, clearly, look, this series has proven that he has very bad judgment about a lot of things. This
1: is true. The Plunkett enters Harry's office... Uh, he says that his family's going to be arriving soon, and that's going to be work for her. His girls are very demanding.
0: Especially the one who's Satan incarnate. <laughs> right. Whew. When she wants a thing, she wants it now, or she's going to kill your whole family. <laughs> right.
1: Listen, you'll notice occasional red pentagrams suddenly appearing in my schedule. That's <laughs> Beatrice. <laughs> Uh, so he says that he is sure it won't be a problem for the Plunkett because Blankensop could always handle it just fine.
0: Blankensop!
1: <laughs> That's right. The Plunkett is uh, kind of justifiably offended by that like statement and says that she is sure she's going to be able to handle it. Well, and we're like, you know what? It's a shame we haven't had Blankensop all this season, but at least she finally got
0: it it. That was like a third of the excitement that we expressed when we saw this the first time. Yeah, we had to pause. Oh, my God. We were so excited. (laughs) You guys, it's like Islanders listening to our podcast. (laughs) He was like, oh, well, Blankensop seems to be a breakout character among about 2,000 people. So we're going to put her back on the show. (laughs) So yeah, it's a jump cut to Harry introducing Blankensop to the Plunket. Uh however, the Plunket, very perturbed, wants to know she's being replaced. Harry says, just assisted. Uh and Miss Blankensop, who's been gone on some personal matters right. that are not explicated. Yeah. Uh she will be his social secretary. And then Miss Blankensop. Butson to clarify that the Plunkett will be in charge of store business, and the Plunkett is not amused by this development. Right. Which, like, you could have at least let her fail before you brought in somebody else. Right. But, yeah.
1: It's like, I mean, look, to get the job that the Plunkett has, that's a high-ass level position. Yeah, and you've
0: got to be good at doing stuff. Yeah, you
1: have to have demonstrated years of competence to get there. At Selfridge House, Rose is sitting with May, uh, apologizing for having kicked her out previously, and May says, no, 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 it was her fault for thinking that she could handle Loxley alone. But Rose says that now May and Pimble are there safe and sound, uh, and she only wishes she could spend more time with her, because once the girls arrive, she is going to be heading to the coast. May asks if she's all right, and Rose says that she has a congestion of the lungs and that Delphine suggested she leave the city. May says that she's leaving Harry just when he needs her support more than ever.
0: Really? Like, more than ever? Right. What about when he was in that coma? Yeah.
1: I think maybe he needed more support then.
0: And also when he was opening the store. I mean, look, I'm not saying he doesn't need her support, but this is kind of a PR blip. Right. And, like, I understand that they're all in crisis mode, but somebody... Needs to be like, hey, guys, probably this is going to blow over at some point. Right. Because like, I don't think anybody's said that yet.
1: Well, one person said it, and it was Delphine.
0: Well. So... Yeah. Ugh. Right. Unwanted voice of reason, Delphine.
1: <laughs> uh, but Rose again says that she doesn't want to be a burden.
0: At the palm court, Harry tells Delphine that she's done a great job uh decorating it with her horror draperies right she says that they make a great team and he's a fascinating man she says he's not motivated by money just by giving people what they want and they're the same which is why he needs a full-time female vision which what is agnes Towler? right she head of
1: display is agnes in charge
0: of both you know femininity and vision right like she's she's got it yeah Harry then says that his wife does just fine, even though she doesn't really do that much.
1: Right. She was in America for, like, years. Yeah.
0: And, (laughs) like, she gave, you know, the artful porter a belt. That's about all she's done. Anyway, but he says perhaps she has someone in mind. And obviously it's Delphine. Right. Like, listen, Delphine, this is going to go over like a lead balloon. Yeah. And at this point, we don't know how it's going to go down like a lead balloon. But Jesus Christ. But it's just obvious that she's aiming way too high. No! And it's, I don't understand, because she is so motivated by money she doesn't give a shit about giving people what they want right listen you don't like, open a fucking nightclub speakeasy yeah which by the way uh, somebody posted on facebook that it is based on uh, a club called the golden calf Ooh. uh which was linked to us from evangeline holland who runs the excellent edwardian promenade website yes which we have not consulted as much because we kind of know everything about the edwardian period <laughs> at this point right but uh she is also covering mr selfridge stuff if you want to go over there evangeline if you're listening hi yeah you're great
1: it's true uh no because i mean if delphine was just trying to you know fuck harry you know, i don't know if she'd have a chance or not i mean she wouldn't but at least it would be a plausible goal for well, her well on
0: the other that she's failing to consider is the fact that his wife isn't around constantly might be like a really solid part of their relationship yeah you know like she's not all involved in the day-to-day operations in the store Mm -hmm. so that way when he really does need help she can come in with fresh eyes and be like oh you know move this here fire that person like whatever give
1: this woman a belt
0: yeah easy yeah but you know delphine just doesn't seem well i mean obviously her like memoir is all about her like Having and then failing to have relationships. So I don't think she's a real functional relationship person. That. And she's just equating business sense with. Sexual attract. I mean, don't get me wrong. I find blisteringly competent people very attractive. Right.
1: But but the thing about it is her only idea for Selfridges is what if we just did the same thing that I already do? Yeah, like, that's-
0: she's got no uh, no imagination. Yeah,
1: I mean, you know, nightclub and retail are two very different businesses and business models and yeah. everything. You
0: have to keep the prostitutes on the loading dock in a <laughs> apartment store. Very true can't be draped all over big bill summertime
1: (laughs) (laughs) fucking anyway (laughs) we see agnes walking down the stairs past the bust of harry uh and she sees a man in uniform from behind and uh we get a few shots of her chasing him down and as we have all guessed it is not in fact george just some other dumb blonde guy
0: Back in the lair, Agnes is crying with Fat Thomas saying she really thought it was George and what will she do if he's gone? Fat Thomas says that whatever happens, they'll face it together as man and wife. He says that she needs to eat and he'll cook her an Uncle Joe special, which, listen, I'm maybe not the authority on comforting people whose brothers might be dead. But maybe don't offer to cook her a specialty of someone who also is themselves dead. (laughs) I don't know. It's hard to say. She says no, she has to finish her windows, and he says okay, but that if she doesn't leave in a couple of hours, he's gonna drag her out himself. So this is some pretty solid partner behavior yeah, from Fat Thomas. That's,
1: that's perfectly Again,
0: fine. I almost hate that I'm not shipping them, but I just I can't I just can't get behind it.
1: Right. Well the thing about it is they don't they get along fine, but they don't There's no spark. There's no spark. There's no passion
0: there. Yeah. Not like that time you and I got in a fight about how gay Tom Cruise was <laughs> and missed a pizza delivery. Like, that's love, you know? Right.
1: Well, that was a different time.
0: That was a different time. <laughs> yeah, in case you're wondering, uh, the pizza guy called us and thought he was witnessing a <laughs> domestic disturbance and left. <laughs> <laughs> And honestly, it was less embarrassing to let him think that we had been in a screaming match (laughs) than to explain that we had merely been vehemently agreeing with each other (laughs) about how gay Tom Cruise is. It was the
1: opposite of an argument. Yeah. (laughs) Anyway. We see Mustache walking purposefully through a square uh, and we cut to him walking down some stairs with Edgerton and saying that he knows Lord Edgerton was blackmailed. He has it on an uh, an unimpeachable source. Edgerton asks him what he wants and Mustache says that he wants cooperation to bring down Loxley.
0: Chunk, chunk! (laughs) Law and order. Mustache. (laughs) At the tea shop, the titular the mustache, That's right. explains to Kitty that if Edgerton gives in, Harry will be in the clear and it's thanks to Kitty. But uh, Kitty does not care because Conehead does not have time to wait for Lord Edgerton to get his shit together. As usual, she'll just have to deal with it herself. <laughs> and I just love her. Yeah, She is just, she's blossomed into a really incredible character. She has. And it's just been, like, she no, just, she, look, she doesn't care about the war. She doesn't care about mustache. Yeah. She only cares about the store and conehead right
1: and i mean because it's awfully convenient that all the uh employee characters from the first season all became managers by the second season but kitty's one example where it's like she clearly you know earned that promotion yeah she's just very like can do
0: all of them i mean you know you know doris classic is gone well yeah but not at
1: the store anymore well yeah george got promoted to manager that's okay good point yeah (laughs)
0: You're right
1: (laughs) Uh, Agnes is working on a display in the lair And Winifred comes in and says that she is impressed Agnes says oh it's not nearly finished And Winifred says that art is never finished Merely abandoned uh, And that she is heading out She has written her story And she asks Agnes when her wedding is And says that she is surprised That Agnes would give up her job Agnes says that if she'd met Fat Thomas, she might think differently.
0: Unbloody likely. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Winifred says that she's been married twice, and she thought it was a great idea both times.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I love Winifred. She's phenomenal.
1: Yeah. Uh, Agnes says that all she's ever wanted is a home and a family. Which is
0: fair, because she comes from such a fractured family background.
1: Right. But Winifred points out that and yet, she is there alone and working.
0: And she did have the option to leave mm-hmm. with her purported uh, family yeah. and eat some of his family cooking. That's right.
1: Agnes asks Winifred if she thinks it's wrong to choose love. And Winifred says it doesn't matter what she thinks. She's finished her story and it's a good one. The shop girl who shines like the stars.
0: Boom! I mean, obviously. Well, right. That was very clear. Yeah. In the palm court, Delphine dismisses her minions, and Lady May walks up to her fairly dramatically and says she thought the cuckoo didn't need to build its own nest. Boom! What a weird thing to say. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Delphine correctly points out that Lady May is going to have to do better than that if she wants to insult her. She's simply helping Harry may knows what delphine said to rose about going to the country delphine says that she was simply trying to give her some good advice may says that she just wants rose out of the way so that she can steal harry she's seen so many women like her women who will do anything for the lead role or the solo all while pretending to be your best friend delphine says she's no chorus girl and what is may without Locksley's money she says harry won't stand by her May says she knows who her real friends are and disgraced divorcees have nothing left to lose. And she says that if Delphine doesn't leave town, she will tell Rose what she's up to. Lady May, out! Yeah. Uh, So that was really fun. It was. Yeah. Good job, everyone. Yeah. Also, Polly Walker, we still love you. We do. We just really hate what they've done to this character. Just
1: off the rails.
0: Mm-mm. And a waste of Polly Walker. Oh,
1: exactly. This
0: is... It's not as bad as wasting Kieran Hines on Game of Thrones. Yeah. Because, like, he's well, been in the show, like, one time. Right.
1: They didn't even have him enough to really count as wasting him. They yeah. just didn't use him. Yeah.
0: Whereas here, like, at least she's getting to do something.
1: Right. And at least for the first few episodes, it was fine. Yeah. In Harry's office, he reads Winifred's article and tells her that it wasn't what he was expecting, and she says it's what she promised, 2,000 words, no puff pieces. He thought that she would find Delphine's promotion more interesting, which is an odd thing to think.
0: Since it's the stupidest fucking thing you've ever done. Right. Well, apart from wrecking that car.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And even beyond that, she's not a London writer. No. But she says that he has transformed the lives of the women who work for him. And this is what will appeal to real women. He doesn't need to dazzle them. Just hold up a mirror and let them see themselves. Wow. Yeah.
0: She's nailing it. (laughs)
1: It's undeniable.
0: At Martel House, Martel and Agnes are in the sitting room, uh, sitting. Right. When Florian comes in and says that he's fixed the faucet. Uh Martle listlessly says that that's wonderful and Florian asks if something's wrong. Miss Martle says that she has a slight headache and is going to bed. She leaves and then Florian just kind of awkwardly stands there like so should I stop by later or what like now? Like what's <laughs> what's the we need we need a code.
1: In Belgium when the woman does not want sex, she complains about her stomach. <laughs> <laughs> Agnes is turning out the lights on her way to go upstairs when there is a knock at the door. She takes a moment. It's pretty ominous. Yeah. To gather herself and then goes to the door and it's George. (gasps) Uh, His arm is in a sling and he says, just like he told her, he always keeps his promises.
0: And everybody is crying, even though we never liked him because it is a really good moment. And, you know, Agnes Taller is the best character. It's amazing. Yeah. It's so great. It was really great. At breakfast the next morning, George says he got shit. (laughs) George says he got hit in the shoulder, which is a significantly harder sentence to pronounce than you might think. (laughs) Agnes says the hospital sounds awful. George says not too pretty. George comments on Agnes's engagement and says he can't labor for a minute. She says they are going to run a restaurant and they need to think about her future. George says he thought he had hers figured out and she says you can't plan for falling in love. George agrees and Martle is troubled as is Florian. This is a very fraught breakfast. It it is. George says Fat Thomas better keep her in the style she's become accustomed to, which if you're talking about Miss Martle's house, he can't. Yeah,
1: he literally can't.
0: Miss Martle offers George another egg, which he... Except. <laughs> Great scene, everybody. Really well, glad what's, he's what's not nice about dead. it is
1: it's a fraught breakfast for everybody except George.
0: Yeah. Oh, well, look, he's just narrowly escaped oh, yeah. death. He's more oblivious than ever now.
1: <laughs> that's right. Uh, at Selfridge House, Harry, Rose, and May are having breakfast and discussing the article when there is a ruckus... <gasps> off screen not a ruckus yeah and loxley strides in followed by an irate fraser oh
0: fraser we've never seen fraser himself has become a spitting mad weasel
1: (laughs) yeah harry asks what's going on and loxley says that he is there for may rose says that may is their guest and will remain until she chooses to leave loxley tells may that edgerton went straight to him when mustache threatened him uh those old school ties never underestimate them and he walks towards May, but Harry steps between them. Loxley tells him to stand aside. Harry asks, what is he going to do? Hit Harry like he hit her? He says that he would love to fight him right there. I believe he says something about, like, s- punching his stupid face in or something I, yeah, specific like so. that. Yeah, I think so, yeah. And then we. Rose looks at May, who I, I don't think she's really happy about the her being hit by Loxley's story being aired that way.
0: Yeah, even in private. Right.
1: Um, But in any case, Loxley naturally and understandably backs down. Yeah,
0: he would not do well. No, He's like, well, fisticuffs.
1: But as he leaves, he tells May that he will drag her through the courts, uh, dig up every one of her past lovers. And by the time he's done, she will wish that she was dead.
0: That's, uh, that's a threat, man. Yeah. That's a legit-ass threat.
1: That he has the power to carry out.
0: Oh, very much so. Yeah. And he's got just enough eyeliner to do it, too. <laughs> At the Edwardian food truck, Fake Doris is discussing the Winifred Black article with Conehead, who... Who may well actually be drinking hot Bovril. It's impossible to tell. Yeah. Kitty comes up and they show her the article. Kitty then tells Conehead to come with her to show a certain person this article. They head off and fake Doris <laughs> is alone once again. What happened to Gordon? <laughs> right. Isn't he around still?
1: She's like, you know no one else works in accessories. <laughs> You're the only friends I have.
0: Yeah, Miss Martle's having her midlife crisis. <laughs> Well, Miss Martle's not the type to fraternize with her... Well, right. Uh, ...staff, anyway. Yeah,
1: yeah. Uh, Kepler walks through the store, rather, again, casually, uh, then finds a corner he can step into, which, you know, it's no knothole in an old oak tree, but it'll do for now. Uh, and he opens up the paper to read the article and is dismayed. Mm-hmm.
0: I mean, come on, dude. You can't What's, be like that. What do you yeah. think was going to happen?
1: Like had did she interview you at all
0: most mysterious was this elf <laughs> who just happened to be around all the time very annoying <laughs> stay away from fashion no one
1: else could see him <laughs> <laughs>
0: At Selfridge chalice may is telling harry that loxley won't be satisfied until he's completely destroyed both of them now she says that she and mustache will help him he says he will call mustache but he has to get to the store may says she wants to return the favor of defending her against loxley and tells him not to trust delphine who's out to destroy both him and rose harry looks puzzled yeah Uh, because he is real dumb
1: in certain ways yes for sure
0: well, you know, it's like with like Ellen Love, you know, it yeah. never occurred to him that she might like try to break up his marriage. I mean, Ooh. very in it. Like, no, look, just nobody's ever stood a chance. Right. I, I would bet.
1: I don't get the problem. She's an actress. She's half my age. She's on cocaine. What could go wrong? <laughs>
0: <laughs> Nailing it, <laughs> and by it, I mean Ellen Love. <laughs> No, but, I mean, just, you know, he doesn't ever consider other people's viewpoints. Right. Therefore, he's (laughs) like, why would anyone ever think I would leave my wife?
1: Right, right.
0: Just because I cheat on her all the time.
1: (laughs) Uh, In Harry's office, Keebler is complaining about the article to some of the other department heads who don't care.
0: Well, he's complaining that fashion was left out. But what he really means is Keebler was left out. That's right. Nobody puts Keebler in the corner. (laughs)
1: They do. Uh, Harry comes in and leads a round of applause for Miss Towler. Keebler gives her a weird look at that. Like, it's not, I don't even know what he's doing there. Uh, Anyway, Harry also mentions that uh, George has returned home and then calls up Grove, who announces that Doris Classic has had their fourth baby, a boy. Uh, And that's apparently his first boy, so it's a big deal to all these men who congratulate him and Harry gives him a cigar and whatnot. Martle, however, just stands there looking at him.
0: Oh, yeah, because, I mean, everybody says something except for her and they all actually just stand there really awkwardly at first because they're like, (laughs) is this store business? Like, who gives a shit? (laughs) Like, at least George works here. Call me when that baby works in the loading bay.
1: I thought you already had four babies.
0: (laughs) On the shop floor, Conehead is telling fake Doris about how Kitty set her father straight with the article as Kitty smugly listens in like the living doll she is. Uh, yes.
1: It's easy when you never sleep. <laughs> <laughs> Grove gets off the elevator and walks up to Martle, who is with a customer. Uh, but once the customer leaves, Grove steps up, and Martle steps in to offer him her congratulations and he's like uh thanks and she says and pass on my best wishes to mrs grove and leaves
0: yeah look dude Ah, i just hope things get okay for her in the final episode like uh, get him out of your head dude i like you can be sad that you didn't have a baby and that's a totally legit thing right and you can be sad because he was a dick to you right but don't let this dick ruin your life look at his hair yeah
1: not only can you, can you do better, you are already doing better. You
0: are doing so much. Look, I don't know what her menopause situation is, <laughs> right. but who knows? Weird shit happens. That's true. In the lair, Fat Thomas is reading the article out loud to Agnes and says he should be asking for her autograph, and Agnes British is about it, Yeah, uh, even though, yeah, he should. Like, <laughs> yeah. This guy sucks. Kick him to the curb while getting's good. Yeah.
1: All you do is run a restaurant that doesn't even exist.
0: Exactly. Fat Thomas tells her she deserves it and he's proud of her. He asks after George and Agnes says it's like he's never been away. Fat Thomas has been thinking that if George has to go back to the front, maybe they should get married while he's still in London. And uh, what's to stop them? And Agnes is like, oh, well, I I didn't think you were serious about getting married. I've just been saying it to people. Um, (laughs) Doesn't seem... Like, got this article <laughs> about me, so... Anyway... Is there, is there
1: an article about you? Because I, I haven't... I haven't seen one. I, m- Mr. Selfridge says
0: I so should only marry somebody who also has an article <laughs> written about him, so... <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> Crab and Harry walk towards the palm court. Harry's confident that Delphine is going to have the place packed, Crab is like, "Uh, I sure hope so. And Harry reminds him of the summer house. And Crab's like, yeah, that was fine. Uh, But they get in and crickets. There ain't nobody there. Like, not only are the right people not there, the wrong people aren't there, the indifferent people, zero people are there. Uh,
0: Again the summer house there was a book that people wanted to read right this is just we tarted up the palm court like nobody gives a shit about the palm court it's the same restaurant
1: we just like made it look a little different yeah also it does not look the same in this scene as in the previous scenes when they were decorating it
0: i don't know i don't know
1: yeah you know what
0: let's not spend more of our precious brain cells on it
1: that's a good point
0: Delphine then enters Harry's office and says she just needs more time, and they make such a good team. Obviously not. Yeah, clearly. Harry says no. His instincts are that they need a new theme, like Rose had suggested. And then Delphine says that what Harry needs is Delphine, and Harry's like, what the fuck are you talking? Like, he still hasn't figured out what May was trying to tell him. (laughs) Yeah. That's how dense he is. Yeah. He's denser than the bust of him downstairs. (laughs) She walks around to his side of the desk and says that he knows they belong together. Harry's like, "Uh, I don't have feelings for you. I love my wife, but like, uh, you know, I've made mistakes, but Rose is the one who drives him. You know, everything he's ever done, the whole store is all for her. And he hopes that one day Delphine finds somebody that feels that way about her, like doubtful. Uh, You know,
1: maybe that one weird guy she's hanging out with all the time. Jim? Yeah, Jim. (laughs) Jim.
0: Uh, so he says goodbye and that he doubts their paths will cross again. And look, when Harry Selfridge cuts you off, you know, it, he's slow on the update, but yeah. he's like, boom, done. Yeah. I mean, unless I suddenly magnanimously change my mind, <laughs> you're <laughs> out of my life forever.
1: I've had one of my trademark changes of life. <laughs>
0: exactly. <laughs> no, and it's like, Delphine, for somebody who runs a near brothel, you don't seem to have any sense of when making a move makes sense yeah like i mean i sort of just like if you feel like this but like you could have he didn't know right you could have played this out i mean i
1: sort of feel like she realized that she had screwed up like this was like a hail mary pass at the end of the game that she she had already completely like screwed up the store promotion and you know she had to make this move now or she was going to lose all influence over him
0: i guess so but
1: but either way yeah it's dumb and you know godspeed polly walker yeah
0: good luck i hope somebody puts you like in a movie
1: yeah do it yeah someone
0: somebody make an ab fab movie and have her also be in it
1: great right yeah good idea fantastic
0: great get eyeliner on the phone let's make (laughs) this happen
1: At Selfridge House, Rose greets Harry and says that he looks tired. Harry says for Rose to kiss him. She asks why. He says because he loves her. She's like, oh, that's a good reason. And they kiss. Ah! And then he hears voices from the other room. It's the family!
0: Hey!
1: Yeah. Uh, so what we've got, we've got old Rosalie and old Ma... Uh, but then we have new Beatrice and new one that isn't Beatrice.
0: And they have a group hug and Gordon is there. Yes. And so, uh, hey, you know, Harry did say that he was determined to get the family back together. And, and by God, he did it. That's right. In Mailing episode it, nine. Family wise. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. It's great to see them. Yeah. Uh, it's unclear how the intervening years have affected Beatrice's dark purpose. Right. Uh, but we're hoping that this uh, will reveal itself. Right. Uh, Violette. Yes. Is the one that isn't Beatrice. Right. Violette? Yeah, Violette. Yeah, Violette. Okay. Anyway. uh, Yeah, so new Violette. Yeah. So we'll see if she's still a suffragist. (laughs) Right. Uh, Well, she is, because didn't she go on to do stuff and like fly a plane or something? Yeah. One of them did. Anyway. (laughs) Anyway. Ah! Well, we are super excited, uh, because now that we've recorded this, it means we can go watch the final episode, (laughs) which we are really excited about. That's true. Uh, So... Until next time, up Up yours downstairs, downstairs. luncheon out.